Many of our episodes deal with difficult topics involving mental health, including depression and suicidal ideation. This can be triggering for some listeners, so please continue listening at your discretion. We always want you to focus on what is best for your mental health. If you or someone you know is struggling, please use the crisis text line, which offers free 24-7 support for those in crisis. To write love in our arms has partners with them to connect people with a trained counselor. All you have to do is text the keyword to Aloha, which is T-W-L-O-H-A, to the number 741-741, anywhere, anytime. A trained crisis counselor receives that text and responds quickly. To find more 24-hour helplines, counseling centers, and support groups, you can also head to tualoha.com slash findhelp. That's T-W-L-O-H-A dot com slash findhelp. You're listening to The Wonder Podcast, brought to you by Be The Change Youth Initiative, where we believe everyone should be seen, heard, and loved. We're committed to educating, equipping, and empowering youth to use their lives in advocacy for others. The Wonder Podcast was created to be a space where we truly see and hear one another. Because when we listen to people's stories, empathy is cultivated. So we'd like to invite you along with us as we listen and learn from others. This is The Wonder Podcast. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm going to be talking with Kristen Moore. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and she's also my parents' community group, so she's become a really good friend of ours. So the reason I wanted to have her come on and share is because we talk a lot about heavy things, and I know there's an importance in power in sharing stories, but it's also incredibly important we have resources and information to help us process them. There's a lot of responsibility in creating a space where we encourage others to share what they've experienced. So we also wanna provide help in doing so. But before we start, I always start by asking people three questions to help us get to know them a little better. So Kristen, what is your favorite coffee order? Oh, good question. Hmm. I'm a big fan of tea lattes. Um, so at Wildflower Tea Shop, that's local in Chattanooga, they have, um, I think it's like a coconut cream chai tea latte yeah. <laughs> or something that is amazing. Um, so maybe not a coffee order. I went in the tea direction, but delicious. I also love coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then what is your favorite restaurant in Chattanooga? Oh, this is a really hard question. <laughs> um, it depends. If, it depends on what kind of food you're talking about. Um, I've got favorite Mexican, favorite burger spot, favorite pizza. But if I was just going to pick one recommendation, it would probably have to be Tony's Pasta. I've heard a lot about that. Still haven't gone. Yes. Every time I get the chicken Parmesan and Matt gets the chicken Tetrazzini and we split it and each have half of each because it's so good and we can't choose. (laughs) I feel like that's the way to go. (laughs) Um, And then last one, if you could go to one place in the world, where would it be? Hmm. Probably somewhere in Europe. I've been to Scotland and England and really like that. So, um, hmm, maybe like Rome or, uh, Venice or Greece or, you know, somewhere everybody wants to go <laughs> those places, but I just want to see it all. Um, I think, yeah, so beautiful over there and, um, the culture is so interesting. So yeah, I'd love, I love to go travel around Europe. 
Uh, maybe not backpack, maybe something a little bit more, uh, less uh, rugged, but (laughs) yes, that would be awesome. That's one of my goals is to just travel over Europe at some point in my life. (laughs) Yes. Um, So first question, would you mind talking a little bit about yourself um, just so that people can get to know your story a little better? Sure. Yeah. Um, So I'm Kristen. And like you said, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I am originally from Chattanooga, so I grew up here. Um, I moved out of state to go to college and then met Matt and we got married and we lived in Alabama for a while and then we moved back um, to help Plant City Collective a few years ago. So back home to Chattanooga in the last few years. Um, So that's been really nice. And um, yeah, I have two toddlers, so they keep me pretty busy when I'm not working. Currently, I am a virtual therapist for women, and um, I, I meet with them to, to talk about emotional health, um, healing, you know, healing from pain, trauma, work through things like anxiety and depression. Um, previously, I've worked with all different populations, most recently with a lot of teenagers and young adults who were aging out of foster care or had some sort of trauma history background um, in both the nonprofit and agency setting. And let's see, I guess as far as counseling goes, um, one thing I would just note is that um, I was thinking about this, like, I think a lot of times um, calling or vocation is birthed out of personal experience. and even pain that we either we experience or see in those around us. And so that's certainly the case with me. And um, looking back, I can just kind of see threads of things that were happening that maybe I wasn't able to name at the time, but that ultimately led me to feel like this is where I wanted to work and this is where I felt called to work in this setting. And um, just watching people that I love at a, at a young age experience pain and struggles with mental health um, I just desperately wanted to know how to sit with them. Like, how do you sit with people in pain? Like, I know I can't fix it, but like, what do I do? How do I be with them? And so, um, so yeah, I decided to go to grad school for counseling and, um, it, it has been so cool to be able to learn those therapeutic skills, but also, um, learn so much even about myself in that process. Cause it's one of those things that's not just like studying, um, numbers, right? Like it's very personal. And so you can't really learn and study these things without applying them to yourself. And so I'm really thankful for even just the work that I got to do through my graduate program um, and the healing that took place ultimately, I believe because of the Lord, Um, but just working towards emotional health, which is a lifelong journey that I'm still on. So um, yeah, so that is, that is one of my passions and um, I could talk about it for a long time. I love it. I love it. Um, so we recently recorded my brother's story and he talks a lot about his struggles with depression and, um, suicidal ideation. When we share Brayden's story on the road, there are always teens who want to come on and share their own stories with us, usually after the shows. And almost all of them say that they feel relief in knowing they aren't alone. So can you speak into why you feel so many of us are suffering in silence and how we can change that? Yeah. Um, You know, unfortunately, I think that for a long time, there's been sort of a 
societal stigma around mental health and people just not talking about it. Um, it's not something that we've seen talked about often or well in the media. Um, you know, it's not something people really know how to navigate. And so I think um, kind of the default is just to keep it to yourself because you assume that you're only one. But the fact is there's a lot of people struggling in a lot of different ways. And, um, you know, when people have the courage to share their story like Brayden, it really is freeing for people to say like, oh, I thought it was just me, but it's not. Um, and to be able to connect with that. I think um, sometimes we feel like shame around feeling a certain way or like, oh, I shouldn't feel this way or that, you know, people might think differently of us or treat us differently, like Brayden was saying. Um, but it is, it is that secrecy that kind of can just drive us into a darker place. And so, um, yeah, I think it takes a lot of courage to speak up, but just like you're saying, not only is it healing for us to share our stories, it frees other people to share theirs and, and to feel not alone. Um, and the other thing I would add is, you know, I think this is layered by social media. You know, that's no secret is um, a lot of what we see is people's lives on social media, especially after 2020, when we've seen people even less in person, like we're seeing a lot of online presence more so than in-person connection. And um, we're, we're comparing other people's highlight reel to our um, background footage, right? Like we see, we see like the everyday and hard parts of our stories. And then we see what other people are choosing to filter and curate for social media and assuming that that's their life. But we don't know um, we don't know their pain. We don't know their story. You know, there's a lot of people that are hurting and um, maybe aren't posting that. And so I think um, that can kind of perpetuate the loneliness and feeling like we're the only ones. So for those who might be listening right now, um, if Brain's story and other people that have struggled similarly, um, if that's not their reality, they're struggling, that they're struggling with depression, anxiety, um, what's the one message that we need to get across them to know they're not alone? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, um, like you said, even just that they're not alone. I think the more we're able to share our stories, um, the more we're able to create that connection. And it doesn't have to be the exact same story for people to not feel not alone. You know, sometimes just the vulnerability to say like, hey, I'm struggling too or my day was really hard, my week was really hard, this has been a really hard month or season for me. Um, people feel like, oh, I'm not the only one having a hard time. Um, so I think, I think just being vulnerable and um, sharing our own struggles can help people not feel alone. And I think um, just spreading hope, you know, and I think hope is different than fixing it. Um, sometimes we want to say, um, like, it'll be okay, it'll get better, um, you know, at least this is not your experience or whatever, because, you know, desperately we're trying to, like, fix it for them, we're trying to cheer them up, but sometimes what people need is just for us to acknowledge their pain and just be with them, um, and, and I think just hope that we're going to, we're going to continue to be with them, we're not going to leave them, we'll continue to walk with them, and um, a lot of times what we're experiencing, the pain of what we're experiencing is temporary and so in the moment it can feel maybe like this is going to last forever um, but usually it does change it does get easier and so just holding on to hope um, holding on to hope for healing I think and reminding people of that for those like 
myself who might have a friend or family member who has struggled, what are tangible things that we can do to help people we care about? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, kind of like we already talked about, one thing would be just having those authentic conversations, um, which can be kind of awkward at first if that's not something you're used to talking about or checking in on. Um, but, you know, asking people how they are and, um, you know, usually we, we say good, fine, but you know, okay, well, how are you really? How's this week been? Um, or if you've like noticed a change in someone like, Hey, you seem really down lately, like what's going on? Or you seem like not yourself, you know, having the courage to ask those harder questions that dig a little deeper, um, and just give someone the opportunity to share. Maybe they have a hard time bringing it up or maybe they're scared or feel like they're the only one, but I think we can provide opportunities where it's like, Hey, I'm here. I'm listening. Like, do you want to talk? Um, so I think that that alone is huge. And then I think the other thing is, is being present. And so, um, you know, a lot of times people feel maybe shame, um, or fear, um, or they just feel down and they want to isolate. And so the, the best thing that we can do and really the best thing for them is to be with people and to have support. And so finding ways to be together. Um, I love listening to y'all's podcasts and talking about how, you know, what was going on in y'all's family. And you're like, okay, well, let's move an RV. Let's be together. You know, I'm like, y'all really took that seriously. And I love that. Um, but it, but it really is so helpful to do life together and, um, to be with people. And so, you know, not everyone can load up an RV. Um, I think that that would be great, (laughs) but I think offering just to be with people, to sit with people, you know, like, Hey, can I bring you dinner or can we hang out every Monday or let's plan to go walk across the bridge or whatever it is. Um, you know, planning time together can be helpful. And then I think also taking care of yourself, you know, as we support others, we want to make sure to take care of ourselves too. Yeah, I, I know it is so funny because there's so many people that, um, ask us like what was it like on the road like what was the experience and I really think like even for Brayden his demeanor just changed and it was really helpful to have that quality time and you know it is with our parents it is with our siblings and yes sometimes <laughs> on each other's nerves but I think like just you know, there is someone in your corner and there's someone that cares about you is really helpful and it does change your outlook on life and knowing that you're not alone um So let's talk about being proactive. Maybe there are people listening to this episode who have no awareness of anyone in their lives struggling right now. Um, But statistically, the likelihood of them being in proximity to someone is pretty great. What are small ways that we can be living more intentionally in day-to-day activities that help us stay connected with one another? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's even a... um more difficult question in light of a pandemic, right? Makes it a little bit more challenging. Um, Yeah, again, I think anything that falls into the categories of spending time together and having honest conversations is great. Um, Just knowing where people are at. Um, One thing I think that has been interesting about the last year is people have had to figure out ways to do things virtual uh, that we never had to before. And And it's been weird and it's like, what? Like, do we like this? Do we not like this? Everyone's a little tired of Zoom. 
Um, but it's been so cool to watch people figure out ways to still be together, even if they can't physically be together. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that has kind of taken off this year, I feel like I'm sure it was a really big thing before, but I've heard it talked about a lot more this year is Marco Polo. And so, um, you know, that's a, that's a really cool way to be able to see someone's face and exchange conversation, um, even when you can't physically be present. And I think even when we can see someone, whether it's FaceTime or Marco Polo, or if we're um, able to meet outside or in person or whatever it is, um, there's so much value in that just to, to be together face to face and to just have that time to kind of know what's going on in someone's world, you know, to kind of know what their norm is and to know if they're struggling and maybe pick up on that or just to, to provide space if they want to talk about it and they know like, okay, this is a person that, um, that is always willing to listen and like genuinely cares about me and they're a safe person that I could talk to if I'm struggling. Um, you know, so I think any, any way that we can just practice connection, you know, and sometimes that, that kind of gets pushed aside just with, with busyness. Um, but I think just, just reclaiming that, um, this, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's really interesting that, um, I've heard before, like, when I guess when people like didn't have cars and there wasn't as much like technology and other things, you know, people just really invested in their neighborhoods. And so just having like people in proximity um, was like really good for people's mental health and emotional health. And so, you know, now we live pretty spread out um, and we don't always like live super close to people that we do life with. And maybe we don't know our neighbors and um, you know, a lot of things are different in that. And so I think we have to take even more effort, you know, if we're not going next door to borrow a cup of sugar, then like, what are we doing to see people and interact with people in daily life? Like, how are we practicing connection? You know, I think regardless of where we are or what we're struggling with, um, we all need that connection, like human connection. And so I think just making it a priority in big or small ways um, is very proactive, whether we're struggling or we're not. Um, that's always important. Yeah. And I, when you were talking, I was thinking um, of another question too. If you were in a situation where you didn't know how to like start a conversation, um, what are some things to know, either questions like to hold on to just so that you, like, your friend knows that you will be there for them um, and that they are mm -hmm. safe within that space? Mm-hmm. Mm yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, asking, like we kind of talked about asking people how they are and like digging a little deeper, um, you know, and, and whether that's, it doesn't always have to be like, how are you? No, how are you really? You know, we don't have to say that. You can. Um, but I think just asking maybe more specific questions, like how things been at school? Like how's work been? Um, I know you're having a hard time with your friends or your coworkers or with your mom, whatever it is. Um, how's that going? I think just kind of checking in specifically or um, I had lunch with a friend recently and we hadn't seen each other in a while. And we were like, how was 2020 for you? Which is like the most broad and difficult question, but it just kind of opened up the conversation to just vulnerability and authenticity um, because it's been hard. It's been hard for everybody in different ways. And so I think um, just having that, having a space to, to say like, you know, this is a place we could talk about hard things and I'm willing to engage with you. Like I'm not scared of hearing hard things 
And sometimes it's as simple as that, like, especially if we know someone's struggling, um, just to be able to say like, Hey, there's no pressure to talk about anything, but I just want you to know, like, I'm always happy to listen, um, to what you're going through. And, you know, if you want to talk about it, we can, if you just want someone to listen and then change the subject and distract you, I can do that too. You know, like, just let me know what you need. You know, and that, that kind of feels awkward. It feels awkward to bring it up, but, um, you know, I think generally people are thankful and even if they're like, I'm fine, I don't need that, you know, then it's like, okay, you know, no loss, but there's a lot of people that do need that. And so just to know like, oh, like, you know, maybe I, maybe I don't know Sydney that well right now, but now I know she's a safe person that cares about me and is willing to listen if I ever need that. Um, and then I think that that can really breed a lot of authenticity and safe space and deeper friendships. That's awesome. Um, before we end this conversation, is there anything else that you want to mention and you feel like you should mention, especially with the topic that we're talking about today? Sure, yeah. Um, one thing I think, I guess, especially in light of people having thoughts of suicide, um, you know, I think friends and people that support them sometimes um, feel intimidated or not equipped to be able to engage about that or they feel really scared. And of course, we should take those things seriously. But um, generally, when people talk about suicide, I think it's important to remember it's not necessarily that they um, just want to die or want to end their life. It's, it's usually them saying like, hey, I'm in so much pain. I feel like I don't have any other option or I don't know how to make it go away. Like I'm feeling so overwhelmed by my pain and I'm feeling so hopeless. I don't know what to do. And so I think just, just kind of remembering that like, Hey, this person is hurting and they're asking for help, you know, and then what they need from us is just to be able to sit with them in that pain and just to listen and to acknowledge what they're going through. It's not our job to fix it. You know, I think, um, one sort of helpful thing I like to, to remind people, um, especially because in the moment it can feel, it can feel overwhelming or like we want to help this person so much, but like, what do we do? What do we do? Is um, it's a model called ask, listen, refer. So, you know, if someone is struggling, whether they're telling you that, or you're kind of picking up on signs, you know, to be able to say like, Hey, like you don't seem like yourself. Is everything okay? Um, or if they're kind of mentioning these things that you think like, Oh, I wonder if they're, um, you know, having thoughts of suicide to just ask, you know, and, and some people are afraid of that. They're like, oh, if, if I ask someone if they're having thoughts of suicide, that's going to give them the idea. And that's actually a myth. That's not true. Um, by asking them directly, it can just open up honest conversation. And if they're not, they can just say like, no, and you're like, okay, let's move on. You know, but if they are, they can say like, actually, yes. And it's a, that's then a safe space where that they can, um, they can share you know, what they've been going through and what kind of help or support that they need. And so I think just be able to ask directly and then listen what they're going through. And again, not to, not to fix it, but just to, um, you know, I hear you. I'm so sorry that you're going through that. Um, you know, if you, if you can offer hope in some way, certainly. And then, um, so ask, listen, refer. So then that's when we want to pull in professional help. So encouraging them to go see their doctor is important getting them in with a counselor is really important. Um, if this is a, like a teenager or kid, certainly encouraging them to tell their parents or talking to their parents, you know, Hey, can we talk to your parent about this together? Um, we want to, at that point, that's when we want to pull in a trusted adult or professional. Um, sometimes both. I think the more support, the better. And, um, 
then what we can do from there is talk about safety because that's the most important thing in that in that moment is let's keep you safe while we're working towards healing like let's keep you safe and let's get you help you know um that's what we do for people that we love that's what we would do for anybody you know that's hurting and so it doesn't have to be um it doesn't have to be overwhelming you know i know i know it is heavy but um it's really those simple steps that can make a make a huge difference because the fact is if somebody opens up to you about having those thoughts um that means that you're someone that they feel like is safe and that will listen and so like in that moment you are the best person to sit with them and then help them walk towards the help that they need and so again asking questions listening and then pulling in um, the professional help and trusted adults wow thank you so much for providing that information too um i was also going to mention after you said that reminded me that to write love on our arms they provide a uh -huh. help tool where that you can go on their website and find professionals in your area, um, people that you can reach out to for that help also. So, and we have the link, if you go to our Instagram page on our Linktree account, um, the link in the bio, it has that information as well for those who are listening. That way you can have that as a resource too. Um, but thank you so much for coming on here. You have been such a huge encouragement. Even just taking the time to meet with me has been so beneficial and I'm just thankful for our friendship and how it's continued to grow and you're just continuing to walk me through this process. Um, I'm very thankful for you and thank you for coming on today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. You know, I think I'm so encouraged by what you're doing and the conversations that you're having. And I just think back to when I was in middle school and high school and um, I'm like, man, I wish I could listen to Sydney's podcast. Um, you know, I think that's, it's so encouraging and so helpful. And just like you're talking about with when you guys share your story on the road, there's people that will listen to this and feel not alone. Um, so thank you for providing an honest space for conversation. All right. We'll talk to you guys sometime soon. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and we'll see you next week. Bye.